Hello and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work, work. My name is Lincoln and I'm part of the team at Moi, whose focus is all about belonging and culture and making the workplace a place where people can thrive. I am delighted to be joined by Jess, who also works with the Moi team. Jess, how are you? I am so good and so happy to be back on the podcast. It's been way too long and I'm excited because you've brought this perspective to today's episode that is deeply, deeply personal and really fun and also connected to the work you do. You are passionate about diversity, inclusion and belonging, but you also have a number of other passions in your life. And I know one of them is running. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that? I absolutely love alongside all of the work we do at Moi in particular around culture, inclusion. I love running. Um, And more particularly, that started off just doing half marathons. And then I got pulled into the trail running world. And over the last two years, I've been doing a number of different trail races, in particular up sort of near the Blue Mountains. And that culminated, I guess, this year in completing the 100K ultra trail run. And I absolutely loved it. I love the running community. And I love the lessons that running can teach all of us about life and in this podcast hopefully to share what running can teach us about not just our lives but about building great culture. The planning required to run a marathon is intense. There's a lot of detail in there. There's a lot of different elements that you need to get right. How do your experiences as a runner and the lessons you've learned relate to a workplace? So I certainly can't speak for what elite runners think about, uh, but I know for me, there are a range of factors that really come to play to make these events a success for you. And I do think they interestingly mirror a lot of great lessons around building culture or navigating change. And I think the first point is an interesting one, which is, we often talk about ourselves as people first problem solvers. And when it comes to running or planning for any major event, a lot of it starts with who are the people that can help. So for me, running community, coach, family, even just all the other people participating on the day of the event, there's this collective sense of we're moving towards something that's so energizing and it creates a reciprocal loop of we're in this together and we're going to do something great. And you can learn lessons, save time, save energy. So really putting people at the center of planning those events is huge. And that's exactly analogous to culture. Know who you're building your culture for. Know what we do really well and make it something that's collective, generous, exciting, and everyone can get on board. Have you experienced working in the people and culture space an enthusiasm for the work within businesses that want to engage with a new way of thinking or develop or improve certain protocols, certain procedures? Have you found there's an enthusiasm for a new way, but they haven't necessarily checked in with the people first and get everyone on board with that new way before just running ahead? I think it's a balance and it depends on the culture. Great culture change also takes great leadership and people being willing to have a new vision of what they want to create. So I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's the interplay and the balance, which is where the magic lies. We have a client and they were just celebrating We're at Purple Day and there's something incredibly powerful about 
the leaders of that organization standing up, talking to why that really matters, as well as then also creating the space for lived perspectives, for broader engagement. The magic is in how it all comes together. And I think that's actually one of the second main things that trail running's really taught me about and made me reflect on when it comes to culture. So it's all this system that's connected. And the real takeaway is that that cumulative work and success really is in the interplay and the connection and combination of different factors. So most clear example is a race plan. You're thinking about how often do I need to eat? How much water do I need to have? I'm thinking about what's the mindset that I need to take into the race? When are the different checkpoints? There's all these different factors that are coming into play. And the one that I think people often underestimate is the enjoyment factor. Being focused on what am I actually doing this for? So you've got this whole collection of factors that come in together that's similar to that system in culture of things that weave into play and having a mind for how does this impact that? How do we connect the things that we need to connect? How are we making sure that those different pieces are coming together and coming together well on the day that we need them? One of my favorite examples of culture metrics that I think really resonated with me was the notion of measuring internal promotions because there's something so beautiful as to what that speaks to in a culture and in a system, which is if you've got internal promotions working well, it means you've got great leaders who are sponsoring, teaching, building people up, and you create this healthy cycle, which is similar to me of getting that food nutrition piece right on a run. Like a run is nothing without food and water. A culture is nothing without great people learning and growing. And it's interesting when highlighting all of those pieces, you go, oh my gosh, you're thinking about this and this and this and this coming together. That's so complicated. Whereas the reality on race day is all I was thinking about was eating every 20 minutes. (laughs) And there was a simplicity to the message that allows you to deliver on a race day is you need a clear plan and you need to be able to simply know when to deliver on that plan. So while there's a system of different connected pieces for a run that come together to make that work, at the end of the day, it's your job to create something that's so simple that you can just sit back and enjoy the day. For 16 hours and 41 minutes, all I was thinking about was when I needed to eat and how beautiful the view was. I think that's such a great point because it can seem like really overwhelming work. But what you're suggesting is if we have that clear plan, outlined right from the beginning and it's aligned it's actually just a series of small steps and what we've sort of outlined is at the start get the people in the team who can help to understand how those different elements come together and which data points matter then move to that devils in the detail get the data get the metrics think about how the system comes together and third simplify it so the communication is clear and the experience is great On the topic of small things, so a successful plan can be broken down into its constructive elements. There are also small things that can catch up to us if we don't address them in the moment. Small things that may interrupt that plan. How do we pay attention to the small things that maybe don't seem like they're going to interrupt, but might add up over time? 
part of that I think stems from having a clear mind with a clear purpose as we just spoke about and to know what to take seriously what you can't walk past what changes you just need to make and having a really curious mind looking around for what are those small signals or as one of my favorite coaches Pete Clark refers to as whispers that are around you so one example in running is blisters in running you a shouldn't have a blister but sometimes life happens you try a new pair of socks and all of a sudden you start to get a blister or chafe or something you need to stop and immediately rectify that otherwise that's something that's a race ender whereas there are some things that you can fix or build on so say if you're if you haven't eaten enough food you can probably come back from that by eating the right thing at a certain time. But what is something that you absolutely can't walk past? And similar in culture, what is the standard that we accept if we walk past? And how does that grow over time? What does not sticking to some of your clear culture messaging, what's the long-term implications for that, for example? It really connects to your earlier point, which is if your purpose is clear, if your cultural message is strong, you're going to be able to pick up the things that might interrupt it, like the blister. And key to that is know the data points that matter and know what you're going to do. So part of that race plan, and this is similar to having a great complaints process, is that people need to know when do I speak up and how do I speak up. Almost the simpler, the better. Because if you can drive home those two things, it's similar to knowing, oh, wow, I feel it's a blister. That could end my race. I need to fix that now and I know how to do it. You mentioned you had a few connections between running and workplace culture. What's another correlation that you found? The one I really love is that there's no one way to get it right. There's no one program. There's no one body type. And I think it's a beautiful connection to different businesses thrive with different cultures. It's not as though there is one way to build a great organization, one style of leader. It's more about what's the magic in what you're creating. And in a lot of the work we're doing at MOI, how do you create a strengths-based approach to the culture that you're building? And my absolute favorite story of this is the story of Cliff Young. He was an Australian potato farmer and athlete from Beach Forest, Victoria. And he's known, and there's now been a movie actually made on it about him winning the inaugural Sydney to Melbourne ultramarathon in 1983. He was 61 years of age. That's incredible. And one of the things that was really amazing about this story was his running style. So he had a thing called the Young Shuffle, and he basically shuffled the whole race. Your feet are sort of shuffling along the ground. There's really low movement in your upper body. And so the most non-traditional form of a winner you've ever seen, but he had a staying power and he had his own style. How have you found that in your own running? You know, they say run your own race, right? But how do you manage that when you're in the same competition as a group of other people, people are passing you, people are dropping behind. How do you avoid those comparisons as a runner? I have accepted for a long time, I'm never going to be the fastest runner in a race. And I'm really clear on what are the metrics that matter for me in a race. 
So in an ultra, the metrics that matter for me are that my plan comes off. Second, that I want to have the best time I could possibly have. Like I want to be smiling. I want to be enjoying and creating joy from what is a really special experience. And the third is that I learn something from the experience, learning something about yourself, challenging yourself and realizing you can actually do way more than you thought you could. I can totally back up every single word that Jess is saying because I had the pleasure of seeing her before and after one of her ultra marathons about a year ago. And the sense of joy that you had after experiencing it, but also this sense of learning. You were talking about the different emotional experiences you had, the observations of the team, the collective, looking after people at the back while also being inspired by the people at the front. It was a really revelatory experience for you. And I, I see how you bring that perspective into the work that you do at moi as well. There is a deep joy, deep purpose that comes from doing tough, interesting, challenging, dynamic work with great people. And that's key to why one of the main areas we focus on when it comes to belonging is this purpose. How do we know what we're coming together for so that when it comes to the dark hours or that time when things are really hard, that you still have this belief of this matters and this has the potential to change how I see myself, change what's possible for our team, change what's possible for our culture. That's when you really create great teams and create work that matters. Jess, I could listen to you talk about this all day because I find the way that you learn from every experience and bring it into the workplace really, really inspiring, especially what you said there in the middle, which is that you want to have a clear plan and achieve it, whatever that is for you on that day for each individual runner, that you want to find joy in it and that you want to learn something. It's nice hearing it put that simply because often while that's the three simple steps, it can be a muddle of things, but coming back to those principles I've found to be really helpful. And for us, it's a real privilege to do the work that we do, to be able to work in the context that we do and to try to make work work for more of us. It sounds like a catch cry, but it's deeply embedded in the heart of what we do. And then if you can make changes in that, it really does change people's lives. And similar to other people who've finished these events, you can't help but be changed. It sounds hokey, but when you do do something that you never thought you could do, it changes what you believe is possible. And I really believe that's also possible for organizations. One of our clients has had a huge safety transformation and the success of that project fundamentally shifted how they saw change and the possibility of other changes in their organization. And I think that's one of the key things of delivering complicated pieces of work is that it lifts the bar for everyone for what's possible. Where's the bar for you in terms of running? What are you planning for next? Ooh, it's a big act to publicly commit to a race because <laughs> yes. once I say it publicly, I'm going to do it. There's certainly another 100K 
run in my legs, maybe a miler, which is 160 kilometers is my ambition. But I would just love to share some of the learnings that I've had with other people so that we can go out and have a great time on trails because that's just, it's my happy place and I love sharing that with other people. Jess, thank you so much for sharing your dual passions with us today. It's been an absolute joy to speak with you. And it's a big thank you to you, Lincoln, plus all the listeners out there for indulging me and allowing me to talk about two of the things that I love the most. So I can't wait to be back soon. Absolute joy. Thank you everyone for listening and we look forward to next time.